0: If you have been uh, here for the last few weeks, you will have noticed that uh, we've been uh, on a journey through Exodus, quite a rapid journey, which is why Tebys called it the Exodus Express. And last week on the Exodus Express, Moses uh, appealed to Pharaoh to allow the Israelites to leave uh, for a festival of worship in the wilderness. Pharaoh refused. He asked, who is Yahweh that I should take any notice of what he says? And not only that, when Moses told the Israelites of all the great things that God was going to do for them, they didn't listen either. See, they'd become resigned to uh, a life of slavery as basically the best uh, they could ever attain. And they just wanted to keep their heads down, not anger their overlords. But God had other plans for them, and Moses was the uh, channel through which he would enact those plans. (laughs) And what follows and what we're going to look at today is this amazing story of how Moses and Aaron, who at this stage are aged 80 and 83, they come up against Pharaoh. By the way, when I get to 80, I I plan on taking it easy, not uh, going against uh, kings and rulers. But yeah, well, uh, so uh, this is this is. uh, this is the part of the Bible where, uh, the, the famous part of the Bible, where even people who don't know the Bible are aware of this uh, amazing uh, narrative of ten plagues coming down upon Egypt. Now, don't worry, because we're not going to be doing all uh, ten today, because that, that would be crazy. That would be seven chapters. No, we're just going to do the first nine, and, um, <laughs> and uh, that covers only four chapters, Um, because the 10th deserves a whole talk all on its own, and Kirsty's going to be speaking about that next week and giving us a backdrop of uh, the original Passover event just as we enter into Holy Week and Easter. Now, through uh, the entire plague narrative, with its large cast of characters, there's three particular cast members I want to focus on and just uh, just look at how uh, their character arc develops uh, through the story. The first is Pharaoh himself. The plagues that are sent upon Egypt are God's answer to his question Who is Yahweh that I should obey him? And faced with God's answer, we're going to look at Pharaoh's response. The second person is Moses. Now, we've already come a long way with him on the Exodus Express, but is he really the man for the job? How is he going to develop as a leader? Through, this, uh, through these events, and um, how is God going to use him? The third caste member is a group of people, it's the Israelites, that I want to focus on. So far, Moses has brought nothing but trouble upon them. He's a murderer who now fancies himself their leader, and his representations thus far have uh, just resulted in their conditions worsening, not improving. So how are they going to be awoken uh, from their sleep and remember and realize that God uh, has chosen them and for that reason no one can stand against them? So without further ado, I'm going to uh, begin this narrative. We are going to read the whole thing. And as a, uh, just so that you don't get tired of my voice, I've enlisted some uh, first-class thespians uh, to aid me in this process. So uh, let me just introduce you to uh, the cast. First, we have Kieran. Kieran is Yahweh. Surprise, right? (laughs) Uh, If you could grab that microphone over there. Uh, Second, we need a Moses. Joel is going to be our Moses. And uh, Ebenezer, where are you? You're going to be our Pharaoh. If you could take these microphones... This one, and this one. There we are. Uh, okay. Now, as we read this, uh, we've replaced the words, the Lord, with Yahweh. The reason I've done this is because, actually, where, where you see in your Bibles, the Lord, printed in capitals, it actually is a translation, uh, it's, it's a way of writing Yahweh. And I think it's important in this particular bit that we notice when God identifies himself by his own name and not Lord in the sense of just Master um, or God. In this passage, Yahweh is mentioned 78 times by name. So it's pretty important to the, to the writer uh, that we take notice. And it answers that question, who is Yahweh? We're about to be told 78 times. Okay? Yahweh said... Moses and Aaron when
1: Pharaoh says to you perform a wonder then you shall say to Aaron
2: take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh and it will become a snake
1: so Moses and
0: Aaron went to Pharaoh and did as Yahweh had commanded Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials and it became a snake then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers and they also the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts Each one threw down his staff, and they became snakes, but Aaron's staff swallowed up theirs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as Yahweh had said.
1: Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning, as he is going out to the water. Stand by at the riverbank to meet him, and take in your hand the staff that was turned into a snake. Say to him,
2: Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you to say, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now you have not listened. Thus says Yahweh, By this you shall know that I am Yahweh. See, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall be turned to blood. The fish in the river shall die, the river itself shall stink, and the Egyptians shall be unable to drink water from the Nile. Yahweh said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over its rivers, its canals, and its ponds, and all its pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout the whole land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone.
0: Moses and Aaron did just as Yahweh commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and of his officials, he lifted up the staff <laughs> and, and struck the water in the river. And all the water in the river was turned into blood, and the fish in the river died. The river stank so that the Egyptians could not drink its water, and there was blood throughout the whole land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret hearts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them. As Yahweh had said, Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians had to dig along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the river. Seven days passed after Yahweh struck the Nile. Then Yahweh said to Moses,
1: Go to Pharaoh and say
2: to him, Thus says Yahweh, Let my people go, so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will plague your whole country with frogs. The river shall swarm with frogs. They shall come up into your palace, into your bedchamber and your bed, and into the houses of your officials and of your people, and into your ovens and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you, and on your people, and on all your officials.
0: And Yahweh said to Moses, Say to Aaron,
2: Stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, the canals, and the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt.
0: So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts, and brought frogs up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to Yahweh to take away the frogs from me and my people
3: and I will let people go to sacrifice to Yahweh. Moses said to
2: Pharaoh, Kindly tell me when I am to pray for you and for your officials and for your people, that the frogs may be removed from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he said, Tomorrow.
0: Moses said, As you
2: say, so that you may know that there is no one like Yahweh our God. The frogs shall leave you and your houses and your officials and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile.
0: Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to Yahweh, concerning the frogs that he had brought upon Pharaoh. And Yahweh did as Moses requested. The frogs died in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields, and they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart, and he would not listen to them, just as Yahweh had said. Then Yahweh said to Moses,
2: Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth, so that it may become gnats throughout the whole land of Egypt.
0: And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and gnats came on humans and animals alike. All the dust of the earth turned into gnats throughout the whole land of Egypt. The magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, but they could not. There were gnats on both humans and animals, and the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, just as Yahweh had said. So we're going to take a a pause just now. Why don't you just pop your microphones on the floor, that would be great. And take a seat. I'll need you back in a minute. So we want to have a look at our three main concerns and what they might be thinking and feeling at this moment. So first, Pharaoh. To his question, who is Yahweh? Pharaoh's answer at this stage might be, okay, this Yahweh is a powerful God, but apart from creating a more dominant snake and uh, bringing gnats out of dust our spiritual forces are a match for him. And frankly, the Israelites at this stage are suffering just as much as they, as they are. So they are unlikely to endure any further place sent by their God. So he reckons he's still, he's still got the upper hand in this situation. For Moses, I think that it's about this point that he feels most alone. The Israelites were hardly on his side to begin with. And now they're probably looking for ways to kill him. Well, Pharaoh's had three demonstrations of God's power. He doesn't seem to be budging. Moses probably feels trapped. Maybe even wonders whether God himself means him harm personally by putting him in this situation. While I was on uh, Tyree this last week, I read about... um, I read a passage from a man called Brother Lawrence who devoted his entire life to experiencing the presence of God. And in this pursuit, he occasionally felt that this was so hard that perhaps even God was against him. And I think that it's both an absurd but an entirely natural thing to feel at times. And I think this is where Moses is right now. How about the Israelites? Well, thus far, it's been disastrous. There's blood instead of water. There's frogs in beds and in bread. And gnats covering livestock and themselves. There's no indication in the Bible that the Israelites suffered any less than the Egyptians during these first three plagues. And they were disheartened to begin with. By now, they're probably feeling like Job and cursing the day they were ever born. So those are the first three plagues, if I could invite my cast back. We're going to continue into Plagues 4, 5, and 6. Then Yahweh said to Moses,
1: Rise early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him,
2: Thus says Yahweh, Let my people go so that they may worship me. For if if you will not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you, your officials and your people, and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies so also the land where they live but on that day i will set apart the land of goshen where my people live so that no swarms of flies shall be there that you may know that i yahweh am in this land thus i'll make a distinction between my people and your people this sign shall appear tomorrow
0: yahweh did so and so great swarms of flies came into the house of pharaoh and into his officials houses in all of egypt the land was ruined because of the flies Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God, but within the land. But Moses said,
2: It would not be right to do so, for the sacrifices that we offer to Yahweh our God are offensive to the Egyptians. If we offer in the sight of the Egyptians sacrifices that are offensive to them, will they not stone us? We must go a three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to Yahweh our God as he commands us.
0: So Pharaoh said,
3: I will let you go to sacrifice to Yahweh your God in the wilderness, provided you do not go far
0: from me. Pray for me. Then Moses said,
2: As soon as I leave you, I will pray to Yahweh that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his officials and from his people. Only do not let Pharaoh again deal falsely by not letting the people go to sacrifice to Yahweh.
0: So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh. And Yahweh did as Moses asked. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his officials, from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and would not let the people go. Then Yahweh said to Moses,
2: Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, so that they may worship me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, my hand will strike your livestock with a deadly pestilence, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. But I will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt so that nothing shall die of all that belongs to the Israelites. Tomorrow, Yahweh will do this thing in the land.
0: And on the next day, Yahweh did so. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but of the livestock of the Israelites, none died. Pharaoh inquired and found that not one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead, but the heart of, the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he would not let the people go. Then Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron,
1: Take handfuls of soot from the kiln, and let Moses throw it in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt and shall cause festering boils on humans and animals throughout the whole land of Egypt.
0: So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh and Moses threw it in the air. And it caused festering boils on humans and animals. The magicians could not even stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils afflicted the magicians as well as the Egyptians. But Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And he would not listen to them, just as Yahweh had spoken to Moses. So we're going to take another pause there. So, where's Pharaoh at right now? Well, he's beginning to take notice. Yahweh isn't just powerful, but he's also on the side of Israel. He's made that distinction now. In all the plagues, they're coming down on the Egyptians, but not on the Israelites. So he's he's begun to negotiate terms... With Moses, but he still doesn't fear Yahweh enough to to obey completely. He still wants to retain some kind of control over the situation by setting the parameters by which they're they're allowed to go out and worship. As for Moses, this is something of a turning point. He perhaps begins to see God's method here: that God is not just teaching Pharaoh and the Egyptians, but He's also teaching Moses himself and the Israelites. God is for them, but God is still God, and his ways are not our ways. So the first three plagues come upon everybody alike to wake the Israelites up from their sleep. But the second group of three is a turning point for the Israelites too. The tide is now turning against the Egyptians. And having seen Yahweh's power, they're going to start believing and remembering that God is for them they're going to start thinking, maybe this Moses is indeed God's messenger. Let's continue. This is the last batch. You're doing well.
1: Then... Yahweh said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him,
2: Thus says Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go so that they may worship me. For this time I will send all my plagues upon you, yourself, and upon your officials, and upon your people, so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But this is why I have let you live, to show you my power, and to make my name resound through all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Tomorrow, at this time, I will cause the heaviest hail to fall that has ever fallen in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Send, therefore, and have your livestock and everything that you have in the open field brought to a secure place. Every human or animal that is in the open field and is not brought under shelter will die when the hail comes down upon them.
0: Those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of Yahweh hurried their slaves and livestock off to a secure place. Those who did not regard the word of Yahweh left their slaves and livestock in the open.
1: Yahweh said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven so that hail may fall on the whole land of Egypt, on humans and animals and all the plants of the field in the land of Egypt.
0: Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven, and Yahweh sent thunder and hail and fire came down upon the earth. And Yahweh rained hail on the land of Egypt. There was hail with fire flashing continually in the midst of it. Such heavy hail as had never fallen in the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the open field throughout all the land of Egypt, both human and animal. The hail also struck down all the plants of the field and shattered every tree in the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were, was there no hail. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said to them,
3: This time I have sinned. Yahweh is in the right and I and my people are in the wrong. Pray to Yahweh. Enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go. You do not stay no longer. Moses said to him,
2: As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to Yahweh. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is Yahweh's. But as for you and your officials, I know that you do not yet fear Yahweh our God.
0: Now all the flax and the barley were ruined, for the barley was in the year and the flax was in bud. But the wheat and the spelt were not ruined, for they are late in coming up. So Moses left Pharaoh, went out of the city, stretched out his hands to Yahweh. Then the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain no longer poured down on the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned once more and hardened his heart, he and his officials. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he would not let the Israelites go, just as Yahweh has spoken through Moses. Then Yahweh said to Moses,
1: Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his officials, in order that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell your children and your grandchildren how I have made fools of the Egyptians, and what signs I have done among them, so that you may know that I am Yahweh.
0: So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him,
2: Thus says Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so that they may worship me. For if you refuse to let my people go, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country. They shall cover the surface of the land so that no no one will be able to see the land. They shall devour the last remnant left to you after the hail, and they shall devour every tree of yours that grows in the field. They shall fill your houses and the houses of your officials and of all the Egyptians, something that neither your parents nor your grandparents have seen from the day they came on earth to this day.
0: Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Pharaoh's officials said to him, How long shall this fellow be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship Yahweh their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them,
2: Go,
3: worship Yahweh your God. But which ones are to go? Moses said,
2: We will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds because we have Yahweh's festival to celebrate.
0: He
3: said to them, Yahweh indeed will be with you. If ever I let your little ones go with you, plainly you have some evil purpose in mind. No, never. Your men may go and worship Yahweh, for that is what you are asking. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence.
0: Then Yahweh said to Moses,
1: Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt, so that the locust may come upon it and eat every plant in the land, all that the hail has left. So
0: Moses stretched out his hand over the land of Egypt, and Yahweh brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. When morning came, the east wind had brought the locusts. The locusts came upon all the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt, such a dense swarm of locusts as had never been before or shall ever be again. They covered the surface of the whole land so that the land was black. And they ate all the plants in the land and all the fruits of the trees that the hail had left. Nothing green was left, no tree, no plant in the field, in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh hurriedly summoned Moses and Aaron and said,
3: I have sinned against Yahweh your God and against you. Do forgive my sin just this once and pray to Yahweh your God that at the least he remove this deadly thing from me.
0: So he went out from Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh. Yahweh changed the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. But Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go. Then Yahweh said to Moses,
1: Stretch out your hand towards heaven, so that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness that can be felt.
0: So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was dense darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. People could not see one another, and for three days they could not move from where they were. But all the Israelites had light where they lived. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go, worship Yahweh.
3: Only your flocks and herds shall remain behind. Even your children may go with
0: you. But Moses said,
2: You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings to sacrifice to Yahweh our God. Our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. For we must choose some of them for the worship of Yahweh our God. And we will not know what to, what to use to worship Yahweh until we arrive there.
0: But Yahweh had hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was unwilling to let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me.
3: Take care that you do not see my face again, for on the day you see my face you shall
2: die. Moses said, Just as you say, I will never see your face again. Thank you.
0: Round of applause for our cast. Thanks. Now, there's not much room for a sermon this morning, so I don't want to uh, zoom in on any particular thing in that section. Part of this uh, journey we're taking through Exodus is, is more about just experiencing the narrative rather than uh, uh, taking a scenic route. We're just flying all the way through. And we're just getting a sense of uh, how God works to rescue his people. In many of those songs we sung this morning, we talk about how he's the God that saves us. And a lot of that language of salvation, as we read about it in the New Testament, has echoes of what's going on here in this Exodus narrative. So just, uh, just once again allowing this... Uh, this section of God's word to just kind of wash over us. It's just uh, a way of getting a sense of God's larger purpose that we, uh, as Christians, are in some way uh, living in the same state as, as Israel once was, in a, in a land that's not theirs. We're trying to get to grips with what it means to live for God in a world where we're not really in charge. And yet we know that God is for us and that he has power to do whatever it is that he wants to do through us. So I just have a couple of final thoughts about these three groups of people and where they are now. For Pharaoh and the Egyptians, just as for anybody who today doesn't know who God is, The lesson I see in this passage is this. That when you mess with God's people, in the end, you're going to fail. You can try to put us down, but you will fail. If you look back upon the history of God's people, both in Israel and upon the history of the church, our story is not one of human might and ingenuity, but one of God's grace and power. Our story would have ended a long, long time ago if not for God. The lesson for Moses and for any other person today, particularly those in leadership, but really for anyone, is this. That God has to take you into the place where there's no one but you and him. And that can be a deeply painful process. If Moses had depended upon the approval of his peers or upon complete domination over his competition, then he would have given up. Because right in the middle of that plague narrative, none of those things are happening. None of his people are supporting him. None of his enemies are capitulating All of these things that you might deeply desire are none of the things that you actually need. To obey God is to forsake all of those things that we want for something much more precious. That is, to obey him. In the New Testament, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. And the lesson for Israel and for the church today, I think, is this. Wake up and smell the frogs. The church now, like Israel then, are a chosen people. Chosen by God who created the heavens and the earth. We need to wake up and see what that means for us. To have the God who flung stars into space as the one who will give us a vision and then give us the power to see that vision to fruition. So really, that's all I want to say this morning. There are so many things that I haven't said that you could uh, discuss. For example, what's the deal with Pharaoh's heart? Is it God's fault that Pharaoh was so stubborn? Or was it Pharaoh's fault? Well, on the one hand, let's say Pharaoh had his chance, and he didn't take it. In fact, he had lots of chances, and he didn't take it. I have a handy little table in my study Bible that tells you how many times and where Pharaoh hardened his own heart uh, in contrast to how many times God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, he had his chance. But God also had his plan, and God had his plan not just to rescue people, but to glorify himself. And that is his prerogative. What else could we have talked about? We could have talked about whether these things were just natural occurrences, things that would just you know, turn up in the lives of Egyptians every once in a while. Well, I'm sorry, but... To the best of my knowledge, I've never seen dust turn into gnats. I've never seen... Uh, water turn into blood and even if it had turned into blood in the Nile I doubt it would have also turned into blood in their pots and their jugs and every receptacle that they had in their homes well let's just not even consider that as a possibility and let's just see this as the power of God how about when this happened We could have looked at that. Well, there are a lot of historians who say that it didn't happen. There's absolutely no archaeological evidence to support that it happened. You'll be happy to know I'm not going to go there. Um, All I'm going to say is that God's lessons are present in the Word. And the thing that we uh, read here is that not only is God for us, that God and His ways are not our ways, so let 's stand and pray. Father, we thank you that uh, That you have revealed yourself, not just uh, in word, but also in power. Father, we ask now that your spirit would come to work wonders in our lives. To to come against uh, the forces that enslave us, that keep us from fully worshipping or fully giving ourselves to you. Like in this story, we just uh, sometimes feel like Moses when he uh, is trying to be obedient but just feels alone. So Father, we just pray that you would draw near to those now.